Hey, welcome back to the Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast, everything rimfire and centerfire. Uh, been a couple of weeks since we had a podcast. Uh, we had the, the Bartland guy on last time. I know that everyone had uh, really enjoyed that one. I got a lot of feedback from it on the, uh, on the ROAP uh, email. That's Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. So ROAP at RiflesOnly.com. If you have questions for any of our guests that you hear on here, send them there. And I will transfer those over. I'll answer them on the podcast. The, I had some questions come in. Uh, concerning uh, Bartland and those I tried to get a hold of the guy and uh, get these questions answered for you I wasn't able to so I'm going to continue to endeavor to get those questions answered and at the next podcast I'm sure I'll be able to chance uh, have a chance to visit with them uh, between now and then and I'll get those questions answered for you and they were pretty insightful I, that was a really good podcast well today continuing on like we said we wanted to increase the quality and the quantity of the podcast and we're doing that one more time uh, today, we have a representative from Manners Composite Stocks, Robert Brantley. He's been with the company for about six years in sales and marketing. And welcome to the show, Robert. Thanks, Jacob. Glad to be here. Man, glad to have you on. It's, uh, it's, it's been, it's been uh, one of those things to where I, I've been trying to find time to get through my, my list here of honeydews and everything going on at the range. And I'm really, really glad to have you on here with us. That's a never-ending uh, process, I'm sure, on that, but uh, glad to be here. Uh, very nice, very nice. Hey, so just just starting out, you know, Manners Composite Stocks, when when did when did that company start up? I believe it's 2008. Uh, it was kind of an official thing. Mr. Tom Manners was making stocks prior to that uh, as a hobbyist mm-hmm. and uh, to support his own needs because there was really no product out there that what he wanted, which was in 50 cal bench rest, by the way. Okay. Uh, so he kind of started that, but then it kind of took off, uh, and he really wasn't prepared for it. And then it just took over and become, he knew he could go full time with it. But about 2008 was when it really become official. Okay. All right. Well, what, what was he doing for a job before then? Well, before that he was in the popcorn business, believe it or not. Popcorn. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's, uh, I don't know all the details of it, but it was a, a company out of Kansas City and uh, the holiday decorative popcorn. And when you go to games, uh, uh, you know, sporting events and stuff like that, uh, they were they just serviced a lot of the Kansas City metro area and other places around and still in business from what I'm told. But he got out of that and pursued some of his uh, things that he was more passionate about. Well, that's good. That, it's always good whenever you can, you know, get going on, on something that's uh... – you know, something that's de- dear to your heart. You know what I mean? That's, that's pretty good. And so the first, the that's first, right. the first stock was just, uh, for 50 BMG then. Uh, for, for him. Yes. It right. was a 50 BMG, uh, uh, interest style, which, you know, you don't really see a lot of that. Right. Or at least I don't. And we don't make too many of them anymore, but as soon as he met some people in the fire ministry, they, and it was George Garner, by the way, kind of directed him on tour. Like, here's what, I think we can sell a lot of and, and make of, and that was now what become our T and some other models that are discontinued. <clears throat> but that for for your Remington 700 short and long action uh, and and such, you know, things that are more practical and, and popular that that could be applied to whether it's tactical competition, uh, hunting uh, things that the average Joe can get into rather than 50 cal bench rest. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of people shooting 50 cal bench rest, you know, as a, as I think a whole. We did like three a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. They, I hear that. 
Well, yeah, that's that's good. I, y'all are y'all are located close there to GA as well, correct? We're across the street. Yeah, well, that makes it nice. I guess he can go over and, and speed y'all up, or y'all can speed him up and, and keep each other going pretty good. Yeah, I've used that. Uh, when it I, all started, it was the same building. It mm-hmm. was Badger Ordnance, GA Precision, and Manor Stocks all in the same building. Right. One-stop shop for your rifle. That's it. You know, that was uh, back in the day, and you, you'll remember it whenever, like, you know, the DBM system started to come about and mm-hmm. things like that. There was some, what we take for granted nowadays was big advancements at the time uh, that, you know, all three companies kind of worked with each other on because when Badger was doing the DBMs, well, obviously they needed stocks to put it in. We could do that. We needed a gunsmith to build it. That was GA. So it, like, everyone worked in cooperation with each other that for mutually beneficial things that kind of change the game and we see all these newcomers in in the game right now that that take it all for granted and it's easy to forget that legacy and that past but you know that was some pretty cool things back in the day kind of happening yeah i remember i remember yeah then that was man i tell you that that's just such a i guess it was a blessing that all the companies started right there and then they were able to just scratch each other's back and and push out those innovative ideas for sure for yeah. sure and then we all grew to now we're still all right across the street from each other, but all three businesses grew into something that we had to split up and, and, uh, uh, you know, they all occupy their own buildings now and, uh, and still doing good, still thriving. So it's great to see. Yeah, it's good. If you need more square footage, that means things are going well. Good problem to have. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to have problems, well, that's awesome. Yeah, I've I've uh, had the you know good fortune to know to know Tom for a long time, and I've shot his stocks for a long time. I'm I you know I shoot Accuracy International, but I've got the you know I've got some of the stuff the GA Precision guns that you know I will you know they say once you get a gun you'll never sell it. I'm I am a firm believer in that, <laughs> and so I have those guns. I pulled out I pulled out an SH50 the other day, uh, believe it or not, and um, we shot we shot the piss out of that gun and then uh just sent it up as kind of an interesting story i sent it up to george because i couldn't get the i couldn't get it i had to run the bolt like maybe five times to get it to cock you know and so um I, it turned out as you know i said man george fix this thing for me and so he did and i sent it up there and um man he had said bro i'm putting a new barrel on this thing i said what do you mean you put a new barrel because when i could get it to cock it would still shoot a half minute you know i said no nah, leave that barrel on there finally he he told me some choice words and put a new barrel on it hung up on me thank god he did because <laughs> that barrel that barrel it, i mean it didn't have any rifling for the first bit of it you know but it was still shooting good <laughs> but we had we had literally shot that barrel out and the barrel didn't know that it had been shot out so it was uh it was an interesting interesting little story there that's awesome well cool man well listen talk us through this like let's say um let's say just in the morning you or someone there or a client comes in and says i want a stock that looks like this and how do you go from these ideas on a stock to a finished product i mean what is the process to to build these stocks well uh to create like not a model we have existing but an idea you say yeah like a like a new model a, a new a new one i mean a, or or even a, an existing model that's fine too i just want to know the process of how this is done so we mold stocks uh they're they're most of the stocks we make are, are made out of car they have a carbon fiber shell and then they'll have various fields on the inside and you know the fields will vary whether it's a tactical stock that you don't mind a little weight. It's a mountain rifle stock that you want very light. So the fields can vary, but the overall construction will be pretty similar. So, uh, you know, if it's, if it's 
already established we'll have molds made and a mold makes the same shape 100 out of 100 times and you get the shell you fill it full of the fill uh and then you'll inlet it and then you know cut the back end off uh, to put a butt pad on and stuff but some of the fills that we do are, that are different than other manufacturers is uh you know they're not uh correct technical terms we could say say blocks we we uh We'll put a lightweight feel in the forearm, uh, forend, and the uh, the butt area, and then say where the pillars will go, the recoil lug, those high stress areas. Mm-hmm. We'll put in a very heavy, dense, what we call block feel uh, that can take a lot of recoil. That way, we can make a relatively light stock, but it can still hold up to the demands that you know a big cartridge and a light gun may throw at you. Okay. So uh, that's kind of fun and and having those various fields let us tweak uh deadness tweak uh balance overall weight uh things like that so that's pretty cool that there's a lot of options in it and then you can do the same thing with the shell we can lay it up thicker thinner different materials and stuff like that but if you don't have an established product yet well there's a lot of r&d and uh mr tom manners is amazing at that so he it really starts kind of like a guy whittling down a block to get the overall shape that he wants. And it takes a lot of uh, trial and error. And a lot of things are going to look ugly as can be and heavy and gnarly, but he'll build it up with big things of epoxy and sand it down, mill it down, whatever it takes to get the fit and feel. And if he goes a little too far, he'll build it back up and, and sand it back down. But he's looking for a shape. Uh, or a feel, you know, it's not computer designed or anything like that. It's 100% designed by hand by uh, what he wants to do. And once he gets that, well, then he can kind of go in and duplicate it and uh, and put it in a computer type program and start truing it up and and develop a file that we can make a mold out of. And you know, once you get a mold made, well, it'll pump out that stop. But then we have to then make fixtures that, that hold that exact shape uh, to be inlet so that it's true because all the inletting is done with CNC machines. So, uh, you know, it's, it's quite the process. And a lot of people probably aren't, uh, well, wouldn't know how much, uh, how many iterations you go through to get that final product. Once you get that mold established, well, it's pretty plug and play at that moment because you can just lay them up and fill them. And, you know, it's a pretty straightforward process, but getting there, is, is quite the journey and uh it's amazing to watch him work because he I, he'll give me ideas tell me what he's going to do and i was like I, I don't know how that's going to work or sound and then when you see the finished product it's, it's pretty mind-blowing but i will say over the years well before my employment i was a, a big manners fan and i owned a lot of other composite stocks as well but i really like the feel of the manner stocks so uh, the uh palm swells and, and the everything just fell felt really good to me especially the thumb holes the thumb holes aren't a popular stock but overall most people just don't like them but uh i'm a big fan of them because it just fit me it fit like a glove and after watching him that's exactly what it was he i mean used an actual human hand to get the shape he wanted not just a a computer file so he starts off very analog and then digitalizes it as as he goes all right so that makes sense a couple questions on on some stuff that you just said here all right, the, the first thing, the fill that you're using. Okay, what what is it? What 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 material is the fill? Uh, it, 
I'm, I'm not super educated on, on the actual chemical makeup of it, but I know a lot of them will uh, tell you the differences that I, that I see that someone like me could walk you through a lot. Some of them are a lot more dense and heavier mm-hmm. than others. Some of them will suspend uh, uh, so if we wanted to add some particles to it, whether it be anything from chopped fiberglass to lead shot, if you wanted to, anything in between, like a suspended feel would let it everything dry at, at once, kind of cure quicker to, to hold that rather than it all sink to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then you have a lopsided stock. So uh, there's a lot of tweaks that they can get, but it's all a composite uh, feel that, that doesn't look like much until it dries. And then it's incredibly strong and rigid and, and, and can hold up to recoil because you got to think, you know, you're holding that gun and you got to, three or four inch butt pad that's up against your shoulder and you feel all that recoil well imagine that stock has to hold all the recoil just by that lug that right. recoil lug that's attached to the action like that's that's what's doing the work for you right there so it has to be strong enough that it can take the repeated use like something like you said you're burning out barrels and no telling how many rounds that is how many barrels you might go through but we expect that that little area of that stock hold up all that force over over years so uh, they really narrowed it down, but when you look at the spots that hold all the uh, the the high stress areas, like we talk about the block field, you'll see there's particles in it, and you can clearly see it from outside that there's something going on in there, and it's uh you know it's uh it's very rigid, and and it's not just going to crack or, or break on. You're not saying it couldn't. I mean anything could fail, but you know we over engineer those areas. But when you get into, say, a lightweight mountain, mountain hunting stock, the butt pad, and that's sorry, but the, the rear part of the stock, uh, one underneath your cheek and all that, if you don't have an adjustable cheek, a lot of that could be more like what you would see with, like, say, expanding foams and stuff because there's not a lot of strength. The shell provides all the strength in there, and you just don't want a, a hollow sound or, a, uh, or anything that's just uh, flimsy at all. So, uh, the different fields, uh, will, uh, you know, depending on where it needs and what kind of strength we need it to do will dictate what kind of field, uh, we put in that area. And that's the other thing he's kind of done that that's pretty cool is he can section off different areas of the stock for different fields. So if a guy says, I'm putting with like PRS and all that these days, you know, guys are wanting to put one, two, five straight barrels, own guns and they get really nose heavy so some guys will say i want the stock normal but i want the butt end of it to have three extra pounds than normal right. so he can kind of partition off the fields and put a more lighter weight field in the front and then put a very heavy dense field in the back and and the same thing goes for hardware say you choose an adjustable cheek or an adjustable length of pull or something like that well you know you don't want to just put that hardware in any stock because we can be pretty hard on our guns and and, you know, if I'm getting up from the prone position, I might use my gun to kind of assist me. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't want that uh, hardware that that butt pad is in, in foam or something like that. So if it's something that's going to take some abuse, you know, he's going to build it up, strengthen it up and put the appropriate feel in there that you can almost uh, use as a baseball bat on, on stuff if you need to. It, it's crazy how strong it is mm-hmm. without it breaking. So he's, he's really nailed down a lot of uh, the the different fields, but I'd be out of place kind of, uh, trying to explain the, uh, the, uh, 
the chemical you know, section the, of it? Ke- chemical makeup of it, yeah. yes, sir. Okay, so you used another word that, that caught my attention. Deadness. Yeah. Wait, what's that? Uh, you know, you can make things so rigid that they're like a tuning fork. Mm-hmm. You can make things so weak that, that it, uh, it uh, you know, it, it, it's hollow or, or flimsy and all, but there's, there's a appropriate uh, middle ground, right? And I've felt different stocks where it's like uh, an aluminum chassis. You can dry fire. You can feel that hammer fall, and you can feel that vibration go through that stock. Right. Uh, with our new, what we call our double dead shell, it's just a uh, different layer of carbon fiber and fiberglasses with different feels that just the the stock is just it's dead in the hands. And when I can, I don't even have to fire the gun to really feel the difference. Mm-hmm. And we can take the same shape stock and make it uh, very light and, and not so dead or or extremely heavy and, and very dead. So it's just, uh, you know, when you get down and you dry fire and you can kind of take the same barreled action and put it from one gun to the other and see like a little bit of reticle hop just from that slight vibration when you dry fire it, right. you, you can kind of see that come and go. Uh, so it's just uh, how you, you make up a stock and usually the more dense and heavy you get the the more you get into that that dead realm okay and so whenever you whenever you have a mold all right so does the are you taking the mold and putting the fill in the mold and then when it comes out then you're putting carbon fiber how is that working i i'm thinking how do i get how do i get the sailboat into a bottle <laughs> yeah uh so no you're you're making a shell first uh okay. well, we we've now started working on a new type of process that that kind of changes up but traditionally most any stock manufacturer they're going to make a shell uh and it's just the carbon fiber so if you see any of our camos uh, those are molded in camos everything you see from us is molded in so the camos will be applied to the mold then they'll put the fabric over the mold uh you know and and when they put the mold together and and run it through its process, it'll create just a shell. And that's exactly what it is. It's hollow. Mm-hmm. It won't do it. It's crazy light and crazy strong, but you couldn't turn it into a rifle stock at that point moment because it's just nothing to support it from the inside. Right. And then they'll take that shell and then they'll fill it. So we'll traditionally fill it with uh, the feel of, of choice for, you know, whether it's hunting or tactical or, or what it may be. Right. And then if it's a, traditionally inlet stock that someone's going to pillar bed it mm-hmm. well then we'll go back in and we'll uh, after it's filled and dried we'll cut out the area for the uh uh where the pillars and the lug and all that will be and then we'll fill it back full of a uh, that dense block fill and gives it a lot of strength and rigidity in that where you need it but right. if you put it everywhere the stock would weigh a ton right. and people want our stocks to weigh less than your average one uh it's kind of what we're known for and and then you once all that's cured then you inlet it down to your specific barrel contour your action your uh bottom metal and so on and so forth but we also offer something that most composite stocks don't make and that's our mini chassis mm-hmm. and you know like ai every, every other brand of chassis you know you just kind of bolt in and go it's a metal uh a, a bedding block right. that's inside of it so uh, we offer a product that is just that. It's it's a composite stock with an integral uh, bedding block that's molded into it. And we have some that are strictly bedding blocks. We have some that are integral 
I don't want to call a bot an integral trigger guard and mag weld, essentially what a bottom metal would be, but it just doesn't come out. So it's one piece of a stock, one thing. You drop your barreled action in it, torque down your two screws that are provided, and you're off of the range, ready to go. No gunsmithing required and, and things like that. So we offer different uh, options for guys depending on what they want. You know, and nowadays is the, the plug-and-play era, right? Pre-fit barrels. Right. Uh, uh, every, you, I talk to a lot of customers that are, air finger quotes, building their own gun. Right. You know, and they, they bought this barrel from this guy, this action here. They're going to screw it together. They don't want to send it off to a gunsmith. They want to bolt it in and go, and and that's exactly uh, what they get with the mini chassis. And it's just one piece. I prefer those because looking at how they're made, it just seems like a very bomb-proof uh, way of doing the stock. So I'm all about reliability, repeatability, and and things of that nature. Because it doesn't matter how good a gun can shoot if it could possibly fail me in the field. I want that is the most important to me. I wanted to know I can depend on it. So I really like the idea of that chassis because it's just a big block bonded into that stock. And it's, it's hard to bust something like that out. Right. And not saying most of any of the stocks would fail, but when you look at how a stock with traditional pillars and lugs and all are made, it's a lot of little fingers right. or, or webs that you expect to hold that recoil and things like that. So you roll one off a mountain, there's more little areas that might could, could give away. And, you know, where that chassis is just in there and it's part of it and man i've i've seen them take way more abuse than i would expect a rifle to withstand uh so that's where i go with with my personal builds but uh yeah the the fields and all can be can vary and uh you can definitely over engineer it or uh build something as heavy as you want or as light as you want so a lot of play there all right so it's kind of it's kind of amazing that you know you're going to go from you know Tom Manners over there you know building up you know sandpaper in one hand you know and feeling it and everything else and then that's how it starts you know it's kind of amazing <laughs> yeah that's kind of and amazing. Uh, dude, I want to build a rifle out of what we call his plug uh, that you know first things that he he creates and they're they're solid material and they're just super heavy and dense like I want to build a rifle out of one of those one day just. Uh, just to kind of see what it uh, it would be like, but yeah, he just he starts from just from scratch and just mm-hmm. builds it up and sands it down. And I don't have the creative mind that he does that to envision uh, the things that he does. But he's he's a master at it, and I'd say you know he's nailed a lot of very popular stock designs over the years. Right. So yeah. I give him a lot of credit for that. So let's say okay that um. Uh, guy comes in and um he orders a stock from manners what's his wait time uh that's fluctuated a lot over the years Mm -hmm. and uh we've seen some pretty hefty lead times over the years and it was very model specific back when we made like folding stocks Mm -hmm. you'd see a very high wait time for that but the overall general consensus of your average order would probably be about six months Okay. We've really looked into some automated uh, molding and, and seal systems and, and different machines lately, and we've incorporated it into three models. And those three models, and we're, we're going to go down the line of other models as we catch up, but the three models we've already introduced it to, we're seeing a lot of them leave at three months. Yeah. And, uh, and that's only because we're playing catch-up. We've sold a lot of stocks in the last few months on the webpage ready to ship. 
right. that I tell guys one to three days is your yep. wait time. So the LR8s, the long range hunter, the EH1, and soon to be the TCS, uh, I mean, those are going to be pretty readily available. And then we'll start going down the list of stocks as far as popularity goes to get them in that new process. And the process is pretty much the same. It's just how much, uh, like machines and, and automation, uh, handles a lot of stuff. Right. Uh, Okay, so really that, so we're saying three days, three days to six months, depending on on the model. <laughs> okay. Yes, but you, uh, but when we get into the specialty stocks, and, and some people look at like it's crazy looking at mares because uh, I'll I come from like the competitive field tactical kind of mindset of, of rifles, and that's what I look at mares for. But then we got sheep hunters that that stuff's not even on their radar, no. and they're only interested in our eighteen ounce. Uh, mountain hunting stocks and then we got people that shoot the elr and uh 50 cal bench rest they don't even know about the other two stuff that you know that's on their radar and when you get into those specialty stocks uh like the lrt and the big uh big bore stuff then the lead times can go up drastically because that's mr tom's baby and he does a lot of that stuff himself and we got to get him back there doing it and he, he loves doing all that stuff but you know, he's one man and uh, the demand has outpaced what a lot of our, the, what the vision originally was. And he's very particular about those stocks. He knows how important it is to people. So he doesn't just hand it over to anybody. He wants to make sure it's done right. So right. he does a lot of that stuff himself, which unfortunately would cause an increase in lead times. But that's a very minor part of the business. But so, but every customer is important to us, right? So it's still an important part, but we just don't see that as much as the hunting or tactical side right right well yeah you hats off to to tom for for doing this no question next question um let's say we're sitting there and we got a pile of this fill and we got a pile of carbon fiber and we're gonna make a stock that we have the molds for we have all the equipment we've got all the tooling what does it go how long does it take to go from a pile of crap into one of these works of art i'm going to say with cure time and everything uh just a few days okay uh so like if you lay it up it needs to sit in that mold for say 24 hours right uh to let that cure and mm-hmm. then you next day you come pop it out then you got you, then you'd fill it well that has to cure as well mm-hmm. uh so you got these few uh, steps where cure time is longer than the actual work time so it'd probably be a few days that 24 hours in the mold I was thinking about, that is where a lot of the lead times come because say a mold could make one stock per day. Right. If we have, if we only have, say we only have one mold, uh, if two people order a stock in, in a day, then that means I make yours a day and the other guy tomorrow, but say two order a day and two order tomorrow and two order the next day, yep. you know, your, your start time, you're effectively pushing back. And that's where most of the lead time would come. And that's why we really pressured to get this new process up and going that, that uh, speeds a lot of that stuff up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the molds, uh, you know, he's, he's been able to figure out ways to, to get down some of those times. You'll never beat the cure times, mm-hmm. but you know, kind of how to get ready for these processes and, and running one in the day, one in the night, and things like that. He's really streamlined a lot of the, the processes to, to get more out. But overall, I'd say a, a few days okay. uh, for your average stock. 
So is that okay? I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, these cure times and I associate that with epoxy. You know, how long does it take for epoxy to cure? And I know that sometimes that can be temperature dependent, uh, just your ambient temperature. Is that the same case with the materials y'all are working with? Yes, that, that definitely can be. So like where he lays up stuff and all those steel rooms, they, they keep the, the temperatures very consistent mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they, they want to make sure that they, they nail that because that also leads to consistent product right. as well. You know, uh, they want to know what they're working with and they don't want any surprises. So, uh, you know, that one room where they do do all of that, they, they keep a very uh, good mind on that. And, and whether it's the ducting or the uh, uh, just the overall temperature of the room, yeah, they that's something that they have to uh, keep an eye on. And I don't know how critical that really is but you know they definitely don't play with any extremes or anything they they try to uh keep it pretty consistent yeah but yeah and some fields uh and epoxies cure much quicker or uh easier than than others as well mm-hmm. so uh you know they they, they got a, a grasp on that to know like hey when we're doing this it'll probably sit in here for eight hours this one probably only requires four so right. they, they know all the differences in that and there's some that they, we don't use it to make stocks with, but it's like for accessories and stuff, they got some they call five minute and it's just, that's, it cures in five minutes, but that's not what the stock's made out of. It's more setting some studs or flush cups or. Right. Yeah. Or things yeah. Your nature. hardware, your hardware on there, this use yep. that quick epoxy. Yeah. That, that works. Yeah. I, I've, I've done that with some, some wooden stuff I have out here is my old 4570. I'd <laughs> make that work for you. So it, it works out nice. Well, um, and some of those uh, quick cure ones uh, get really, really hot too. Oh yeah. You, so uh, you got to be aware of, of that too. Uh, I'm sure we got a lot of rags and Q-tips and, and mm-hmm. acetone soak stuff in the trash cans. You don't want to dump some of those epoxy in the trash can with all that other stuff. Uh, it, it can get salty. Oh yeah. If you don't watch sure. it, so they got to watch that. You made reference to something called TCS. Mm-hmm. What is what's that? The tunable. The tunable competition stock. Okay. Uh, with the the modern competition, let's say like PRS and all that, it's uh everyone wants these full length arc rails. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, the, the, it's the craze of let's build a six br with a, a thirty inch one two five straight barrel and make it weigh thirty pounds. Right. You know, and and everything in the middle. So guys are uh there there's there's we, we don't know what components we're going to see. And everyone, like I said earlier, is plug and play. So right. the TCS is weight tunable, meaning like if you want to put a little 22 action in it, mm-hmm. we can find a way to balance it. You want to put a, a 28 inch one, two, five straight in it. We can balance that. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, it's traditionally, if you ordered a surgeon action, a defiance, a bighorn, whatever it may be, we would inlet your bolt, uh, handle mm-hmm. to that specific action, your ejection port, your side bolt stop, all that. Well, that adds time, and now it has to fit this action, this action only. Uh, the TCS is a universal design. The tops of them are lowered to the bottom of the uh, ejection port, so it'll fit. It, it's basically short action or long action, mm-hmm. right hand or left handed. That's that's it. It'll fit any 700 footprint. Mm-hmm. So guys that you know may have a voodoo trainer, and then they want to go to their uh, you know their full out comp rig. Right. They can swap it out, balance it. The, the overall gun will kind of feel the same. You can adjust the length of pull. It's a two-way butt pad. It's a very cool design. It's 
if you look at the full wraparound carbon shell, when you look in the barrel channel, that carbon flows through it. You look at the butt pad where the uh, adjustable hardware comes out, that uh, carbon shell wraps around it so that all that hardware is contained in there and very strong and secure. Uh, and uh, the bolt handle even is uh, molded in. All that is molded. There's no cuts in it. So it's a very strong design. Uh, and then we, we put in some hardware. But it's more like the, your tra- it's a hybrid of your traditional chassis versus com- uh, blended with a composite stock. Okay. So it's the ergonomic fit and feel of a composite stock with the modularity and tunability that uh, a lot of the new chassis provide. So it's kind of a, a hybrid of right. sorts. So it, you, you you mentioned the Arca rail. Are y'all putting on there as a is that an is that an add on or is that molded into the stock itself? That, that's added on, but uh, all the provisions for it are molded in. Okay, all right, yeah. Uh, so you just so bolted in, bolt, like you say, plug bolt, and play. That, that's it, and it, the TCS has been extremely popular. It, we put it on the web page; they're gone in no time. Yeah, and uh, we'll put it on at Friday at uh, six p.m. Uh, or something, and by the time everyone can make it home, their phones are blowing up, and they're all sold off. The yeah. web page is giving us notifications that they're gone. It, That's good. It's nuts. Having to, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And uh, But it, it was fun creating that uh, project because, you know, that, Mr. Tom Manners is all about innovation. Every mm-hmm. year he wants to come out with something different, something new that, that other stock makers don't do, and the TCS was kind of, you know, uh, one of those uh, ideas that he had. And I come from the competition side and i said well here's what guys are running here's what guys are wanting uh you know this will make it easier and then we had to uh kind of feed the scratch the itch of the guys that want the the plug and play i don't want to send it off to a gunsmith i don't want to you know have it specific i might want to swap between these two guns so we made it universal like a chassis would be but the the grip and the feel and all that still your traditional composite stock nice nice what, what uh, glimpsing into the future, what do, what do you guys have on the horizon that y'all are playing with there in the shop? So what's really cool about Manners is, is out of all the stock makers, very few of them are like us that dive into these different uh, uh, spectrums of the shoot of the precision uh, shooting, whether it's hunting, BMG, PRS, uh, you know, field guns. So we learn stuff out of one model that we can take to the other one. Right. So mm-hmm. we, uh, our hunting stocks, we've learned that we can put, uh, we've learned tricks and tips that we can move to other ones. Well, we come out with a stock called the UC. It's the ultra classic. It's 17 to 18 ounces. It is crazy light, but it happens to be one of our strongest stocks we make just because of the way it is. Uh, so we're coming out with a new stock that's going to be the shape fit and feel of a, let's say a long range hunting stock. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you, you know, as well as I do, when you build something super light and it's these round bottoms on the front and the back, and you try to hold it steady on something like it, it they're really squirrely. They're, they're all over the place. The rifle may shoot great, but it's hard to, sh- to shoot it great. If that makes any sense. So, no, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> That's the most uh, ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they, I've got a like a six-pound STW that is a great 1,000-yard cartridge, but I don't feel good shooting it at 400 yards. Like, it's just it's, it's too light. So uh, we, we kind of went in and, and 
uh, like the EH1 and the LR8, they have flaps on the, the front and the back. Yep. Uh, so, so they sit on the bag nice and true. Uh, they track under recoil very nice. Yeah. Uh, and and they, they feel good. But we wanted to find out how can we get those features, that stability, uh, in something that's extremely light. So uh, he learned some tricks with the UC, uh, the Ultra Classic, mm-hmm. that we're working on for a more of a long-range hunting stock that we think will be about 20 ounces. Okay. And it's going to uh, incorporate some built-in hardware uh, for strength and for lightness. Uh, and usually those two words don't go together. No, uh, they don't. Uh, uh, but Mr. Tom's been working on it. He's been working on this for about two or three years, and he's, uh, he's got some really cool things that he could probably release, but he, he wants it to be right. Yeah. And uh, we don't know what we're going to call it yet, but that's, uh, it's kind of like our LRH on the dot. And mm-hmm. when I hold an LRH or an EH1 that weighs 30 ounces, I'm like, man, how, how can you knock another 10 ounces off of it? But he's finding ways. And when, uh, when you hand someone a UC, they, they, everyone's face lights up. It's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy how light this is. And we tell them like, Hey, try to flex it, try to bend it, try to hit on your knees, you know, see if you can break it. And, and it, people break their leg before they, they break the stock. Oh yeah. Uh, and, well, I've, I've been to his booth at shot show where there's one that's you know set up to where you can just bounce on it yeah <laughs> oh yeah I, the, the strength strength is not in question we still have that stock and uh we got a picture of a ford truck sitting on it yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah nice it, it, it's mind-blowing uh that they can do that but yeah the new one will be that strong but even lighter right. and you know as as everything has evolved lately even the composite world mm-hmm. have evolved so the people that sell us our materials, they can fill us in on new products that they have and new designs and new stuff. So like that constant innovation, uh, you know, on their side, you yeah. know, we're, we've able to utilize and, and, and make, uh, make things lighter and stronger. And, uh, and so, yeah, the, this new hunting stock I'd say would be our, our next one. And then the other things are, are our molded in finishes and things that we're going to be offering soon other camouflage types or, or finishes, you may say, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that'll be, that'll be, uh, some things we released probably just prior to shot show. Okay. We've been working on the last few days, but, uh, kind of pumped to see the finished product. Very cool, man. Very cool. Hey, what, what'd you do before you got into this? I was a land surveyor for 13 years. Okay. So uh, they gave me a, Land survey uh, back in the day, it was very, uh, it had a lot of similarities to long range shooting. You know, by the way, we we had total stations that we would dial in minutes or, or meals to right. uh, fine, fine tune something. There yeah. was a sense of land nav yep. uh, that was part of it. Uh, it was exploration and, and, and data gathering. So uh, I've always been into long range shooting, but you know, that those two worlds had more overlap than most people would probably give them credit for, but, uh, land surveyor. Yeah. So I guess the, the total station, the precursor of that was the theodolite. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I have one of those. Not, I, you don't hear that, that term much anymore. <laughs> I have one of those. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, uh, back in the nineties, there was a book that was released and, um, the, the author asked me to review it for him. And it was about, it was about this kind of stuff on range estimation. And, uh, I got very, very adept at doing range estimation with a theodolite. And uh, it took forever to do it, but 
man, it was, it was pretty good. You know, you're, you know, you're plus or minus, you know, four yards is, I think is as good as I got with it. So, uh, yeah, but you know, just, a a wooden, wooden, uh, wooden tripod with that, set that up, polar align it, take a reading, stretch out your chain, go and put a plumb bob on it. Same shit. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love the old school uh, Lance over there where the chain, you had to know what the temperature was to know how the chain would react, you know, as yep. far as if it was going to be long or short. Yep. There's a lot of science went in that. And then to see them do it way before we had digital stuff and, and how accurate guys could be, it just, uh, it is really inspiring to me and, and very cool. I, I can get way off in the weeds and that stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, it's kind of, um, you know, the, uh, before, before we had these ballistic solvers that we carry around in our pocket, you know what I mean? There was a, I learned, I learned the old fashioned way how to do it. And, uh, it takes about 30 minutes to come up with a firing solution. And now it comes, comes up in 0.003 seconds on our, on our computer. So it works out really nice. Things have changed. And guys gripe if it's a, uh, if it's a 10th off now. Oh yeah. I days, know. You know but, well, I got to screw it. I'm a 10th off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like one of those things that I always say that I have a, I have a device in my pocket that I can watch TV on, I can, I can text, I can talk to people, I can access the Library of Congress, and it'll get me within two-tenths of a mil at 1,000 yards, which equals to 7.2 inches. I think we're winning. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is a great time to be a, a long-range rifle shooter. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But, but I remember studying the old ways, and I, re- I studied a lot of your stuff way back in the day, and uh, because when, the first time I got a smartphone is – I've never been a tech guy at all, mm-hmm. but I heard that you can get these ballistic apps on this new, new phone. Like I'm, that's what sold me. I didn't care about social media, any of that other stuff. When you told me I, I could calculate a ballistic on it, uh, then now we're talking. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm glad I came from a lot of the old time. So, so, you know, cause it teaches you, you learn to problem solve back then and right. how things work. Yep. And now I see people that jump into it and they just got a Kestrel and they got a, magnetic speed to give them speed and, and they they can figure out something so perfectly when things go wrong they may not know how to solve the problem or what the problem might be rooted in so uh i, I still want to keep up on my old school ways of doing it but i'll definitely utilize technology too to to perfect things when i can so i like dancing in and out of both realms yeah well i tell you the the when i started you know in the first range i set up I had uh, two stakes and a 300 foot length of rope. And that's how I did my KD range. <laughs> and so, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it was like that. And then, uh, you know, the range estimation, you know, was one of those things. I had, I had one of the old GBS fives that I got rid of it. And now I'm, now I'm using the, the Plurf 25 and it's just like, man, things are so much easier now. I mean, I know how to do it the other way, but they're so much easier and I like it better this way. The, the, range finders to me is is they don't get the credit that people do i remember back in the day i had rifles that uh were probably as accurate and scopes that would track and dial and everything but the range finders unless you had a vector or something crazy you know uh, a lot of the long range stuff you couldn't we couldn't hit targets i would get the like a 1200 range mm-hmm. finder and it, i could barely range stuff past four or five hundred yards so i would tell people you're only as good as your range half the time oh yeah you can't uh, I don't care how accurate your gun is if you don't have an accurate range. And uh, I've come from Louisiana in the land of Mirage and stuff. So yeah, we're familiar with that something. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that. You telling me that's a circle? Yeah, I, I, exactly. I'll try to mill it, but 
Well, uh, I tell you the, the the thing is, you know, doing the you know the mill relation formula for range estimation and stuff like that. You know, it's always a useful skill set, and we and we go back and we revisit that every now and then. But the is interesting. The very first range finder that I had was a GBS five. That was a Vietnam era thing, and you're not going to believe this, but it had a 24 volt rechargeable battery in it, and it would give you 30 ranges, and then you had to change the battery. That was it. <laughs> It only read it only read in five meter increments, but it was a class five laser and you could range stuff to 20,000 meters. It was amazing. Oh, my God. But it was big, too. I mean, it was big. You, if you think those vectors were big, this thing was bigger than the vector and it weighed more. And uh, but I mean, you it's probably just, heard it operating, too. Oh, yeah. You could you could hear it wind up. I mean, it was just it was an amazing piece of kit. But it was class five laser. You know, now everything now we, we range almost that far with eye safe. This thing was not eye safe. You know, I, I used it to clear some brush sometimes. So it worked out. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, let's say that I called up Tom and I said, Hey Tom, can you make me a carbon fiber baseball bat with certain fill in it? Are y'all able to do that? He would have to, he could do almost anything. So Tom has been recruited by a few people to make some interesting things that have nothing to do with rifles. Right. Whether it be car parts, mm-hmm. uh, I think he made some seats, like carbon fiber race car seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they even talked about carbon fiber caskets. Wow. Uh, stuff that I was like, who, who called us about this? Like, where, where did this come from? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they've made all kinds of crazy stuff that Tom is really big into hot rods and old stuff like that. So mm-hmm. uh, the cars, I think the cars is really where he got into the composite stuff at right. and then he's like oh i can make stocks with it too and he'll tell you like what, the reason he got into stock making is he learned composites and uh he wanted something uh for a 50 bmg bench rest stock and he went to kelly mcmillan from mcmillan stocks and kelly's like i i can't do it I, blah blah you know I, I don't know if it would sell so he made his own what he thought he needed and and that's when he started taking out and started people started noticing uh, you know, that he, uh, you know, like, Hey, can you make me this? And it was started into that. Like, Hey, you make this. Can you make me this? Uh, and you know, there's no end to what you can make with composites. It's right. pretty wild. Right. And you could shape stuff, but a baseball bat would be, I would think pretty easy because you could mold, you could use a bat as a plug to right. make a mold, basically cast it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, and then fill it and, and all that. So I would assume he could, he would do it, but he would overthink it more than he would think <laughs> of stuff. I, and I would say he would overthink, he would think of stuff that I wouldn't think about until he's like, well, it's going to take a lot of impact. We better boost this here and let's try this feel here. And, uh, he'd be one of the men that could do it. I just want to wrap barbed wire around it and call it Lucille. <laughs> there you go. I wanted him to help me with, I play guitar as well. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, we need to make some carbon fiber guitars and that because uh when i went to uh i had to rush home when my grandma passed away years ago and they asked me to play at her funeral well i had a uh it was really hot at the time louisiana we keep our houses 60 65 in the inside and outside is 100 degrees brought yep. my guitar outside and it lost tune instantly and yep. it changed colors mm-hmm. all this stuff well my buddy there had a carbon fiber guitar in his truck i didn't even know that it, they made those and right. he pulled out the atmosphere made no influence on the guitar. It was still in yeah. tune, still sounded the same. 
all that stuff. And I was like, huh, there may be something to this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. So I thought about that would be a cool thing to jump into, but we we can barely keep up on stock. So yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. All right, Robert, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up, man. I I really want to thank you for taking the time. I didn't, you know, uh, I know that you know we we have a stock. You know, we've got a we have in our pro shop. We've got one of the manor stocks that we use to showcase our slings. And so you know, people come through rifles only. You can see one of their their older models, but they have all kinds of different models out there. And again, I want to thank y'all, um, all of y'all at Manners for supporting the brawl. Y'all always support us over the years and everything else. And hopefully y'all can support us again in 2023. And again, if uh, if any of y'all in the team want to come down and, and hang out with us and, and do the match, you're more than welcome. Well, we really appreciate that. And like I said, uh, rifles only has uh, always been a, it's, it's on the definitely support list and uh, anything y'all put on, we're more than happy to support. And we, we definitely want to make it down there one day and, uh, and shoot that. That's, uh, that's been one of the mainstay ranges of the country for, many years so uh it's, it's special to me so this year in february maybe we can we can pop in and, and say hi oh man that would be great that'd be great i think we're gonna do a little fishing after on the, the following week so keep that in mind too i'm sold miss tom <laughs> will definitely come for that he is a fishing maniac <laughs> all right all right well i'm gonna wrap this up and i'm gonna be completely blunt with you i've only got like maybe three or four more days of dove season so i'm gonna go see if i can slaughter some more dove but thank you again, man. Robert, for being on with us. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jacob. We had a blast, man. All right. Take care, sir. You too. Thanks All right, back. guys. Keep Bye-bye. in mind, Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast, R-O-A-P at RiflesOnly.com if you have any questions. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in. This is Friday. I am doing another one on Monday. So good stuff. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.